Um, I implore everyone to go to the Kings website and look up Drew Doughty's player picture. Oh, is it new? I don't think they've replaced anyone else's, but uh, he is giving his best. I'm a junior in high school and really excited to be here. School picture smile. I was I was looking at like Getty or something the other day and I noticed that they hadn't, they don't seem to have taken any pictures for the Kings yet. If they have time to take beautiful photos for the We Are All Kings shoot, then they can take beautiful photos for their player profiles, please. And thank you. They should just use the photos from that shoot as their, you know, player profile shots. Just make them like these glamour shots. That would be amazing. Are there standards in terms of like, uh, like rules and regulations for those pictures? Can it be like the early 2000s where you went with your friends to the mall and took glamour shots and it's kind of like the smoky like beauty filter um i think the king should take all of their team photos with like if we're gonna go full high school or like full like elementary school really and do the lasers in the background i think that's what oh should happen oh my gosh how about this fucking team right here dustin brown short-handed for la score here is galagoski he gets leveled at the blue line by dowdy food for it here for uh kind of like it richard throws it in front Carter some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Thanks Bud podcast. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And we are back. And it is now regular season instead of just preseason shenanigans. So when we talk about games that have been played, they really count. They actually mean something, which is great. But also, I forgot how extremely stressful it oh, is yeah, me when too. games actually mean something. So the Kings, however, have only played two games so far. They did a back-to-back situation. Uh, the first game was in Minnesota against the Wild. And they won that in the shootout 3-2. I have to admit, super thought they were going to lose. I'm super pessimistic. So when I saw that during the second period, they had three shots um, and that second period was garbage. I was like, well, that's this is it. Like, we're probably just going to lose this one. Minnesota is going to continue their home opener win streak. But um, they prevailed. Yeah. it was pretty unexpected because I, and I think it's because of how atrocious the second period was. And, um, and even the third period wasn't amazing, uh, but they managed to tie it up. Um, Jeff Carter coming out of nowhere with a, a good rebound. But then even after that, the Kings did what they love to do, apparently, which is then let the other team spend a lot of time in the attacking zone. And there was a big, big sort of flurry of shots at the net late in the game with like four minutes left or something. But Quickie saved them all, so that was all good. Yeah, and not just Quickie. Not just Quickie. Not just Quickie, that's true. We have a third. I mean, I didn't know that you could dress two goaltenders and put them both on the ice at the same time for the same team, but I guess you can. (laughs) Yeah, it was news to me, but I loved it. Um, And that person was All-American hero, Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis! Uh, future Olympian Trevor Lewis, um, going to be named the third goaltender for Team USA at Sochi. Very exciting time. I thought Matthew Groan had been let go because Ben Scrivens proved that he was the better backup goaltender, but it turns out the Kings realized, oh, wait, we already have another goaltender in Trevor Lewis. It was actually really funny to me watching uh, the clip afterwards or watching the gifts and things like that. Because, yes, he did save the goal, but he looked so dopey doing it. Um, It kind of looked like he was trying to swat away, 
like a fly or like a bee and he was just like what no no don't get away <laughs> yeah and just, like fumbled it out and i'm glad that he did but it was just kind of hilarious to watch it did feel exactly like that i think because both him and quick had lost track of exactly where the puck went and then when it sort of popped up into um lewis's chest he was like oh wait here it is let me move it and <laughs> Luckily, that worked. Let me jump back, though, because I totally skipped over the crazy way this game started, and which was had sort of confirmed my feelings of doom about this opener, was that a minute and four seconds into the first period, Matt Cook, brand new to the wild, scores on a deflection that was then under review for being a kicked-in goal. A lot of people thought it was going to be no goal, but I, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's good. I thought that that was garbage, and I thought it should have been... I, that was a distinct kicking motion. That's... Like, that's horrible. I thought that it should have been disallowed. Yeah, I think most people did. I think I mostly assumed it was going to be ruled a good goal because I'm a pessimist. So um, it's unfortunate that I was right about that. because Yeah, we're uh, both super depressing to watch games with. We're like, well, that's it. That's that's the end. That's it's thing. over now. Everything is terrible. Forget everything. I'm dying. <laughs> it was a crazy uh, deflection, too. And for, I don't know, for it to start that way, I think actually the Kings throughout the first period did a good job of sort of bouncing back from that. I feel like their second period could have happened in the first period after that goal, but they held on. And so I'm not really sure what happened in the second period to all of a sudden just make them lose um, the crazy momentum. But I'm glad that they pulled it out and hung on for overtime and stuck out overtime and went to a shootout, which I also thought might be disastrous, mostly because they didn't do a whole lot of shootouts last season. Um, And of the ones they did, I think they only won like one or two of them. But the shootout actually ended up being extremely fun if you were a Kings fan. Oh god, it was so fun. It was so much fun to watch, both in that our both our shooters that went scored, and then everything about Jonathan Quick. I don't know what happened to Parise. He seemed like he was gonna shoot, and then I guess just lost the puck at the end of his little thing, and then Koivu also came in really close, and Quick reaches between the legs, pokes the stick, um, or poke checks him. Quick is such a, like, sass machine sometimes when he's trying to save a goal, like, that poke check was ridiculous, or anytime he makes a ridiculous save and just, like, tosses the puck back on the ice, like, here you go, yes. just don't worry about it, I got this, yeah. and I'm just like, holy shit, Jonathan Quick, you are the best. It Yeah, it always feels like a little bit of, like, a kiss-off move, even though it's not necessarily that kind of thing, I don't know, but it always feels like a little, a little bit of, like, a fuck you. Um, what it actually reminds me of, which is probably terrible, is that um, if anyone else, I, I hope everyone else watches Parks and Rec, um, Councilman Jam, he does this thing where he's like, you've just been jammed and does like a little hand move hip thrust kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, go find an episode where he does that and, and watch him do it. And Jonathan Quick kind of does the same thing, but he kind of just tosses the puck, like sticks out his hips and like turns around and it is the greatest. <laughs> you've just been quicked. <laughs> Exactly. That's amazing. Now I'm going to think of that every time. Yeah, <laughs> every it, time. it makes everything like 10 times more entertaining for sure. Um, one thing about the Matt Cook goal, though, um, even though it was, I think, kicked in, I'm and I'm like terribly mad at him for it. I'm glad that I'm mad at him for making a garbage goal and not for, you know, murdering someone on the ice. Oh, super true. So I'm like, you know what? In In the grand scheme of me being upset about Matt Cook, fine, I'll take it. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be horrible for teams in a different way, though, if like instead of ruining them uh, physically with hits and checks, he's going to instead score goals on teams. Um, Oh, Oh, God, how which one's worse? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I do want him to be like physically punishing instead of 
I don't know, being a skilled hockey player and scoring goals. Right. I mean, uh, gross. At, at least when he's hitting people in ways that are awful, he's probably also, you know, taking penalties. So that could potentially help the opposition. I don't know. Minnesota's probably happy with him scoring goals, however. Um, actually, before uh, the season, there was this piece about him. I, I don't remember what paper it was written in, one of the Minnesota ones, where it was basically talking about how much he's trying to be a change man and how he wants to turn over a new leaf in the Western Conference. I am not excited to see Matt Cook in the Western Conference because I don't need him in case he decides to return to his old ways. Um hit anybody that I super care about on my team. But then I remembered, and it was also mentioned again in this article, that Matt Cook is missing two teeth in the front from a hit on him by Dustin Brown. So I think we're fine. <laughs> I think the Kings are I, okay. I, yeah, I think I, everyone's got each other. Everyone's cool. It's fine. Uh, so then, like we mentioned, back-to-back situation. The Kings moved on to Winnipeg on Friday night. That game, they actually came out really strong in the first period um, when they could have been tired. But as the game went on, they definitely lost lots of energy and things just got pretty, pretty sloppy. Um, Matt Green scored the first goal for the Kings, um, even strength goal. And actually, fun fact about uh, Matt Green, he has only taken one other shot on goal so far um, in the Kings games, which makes him one for two and therefore like the highest uh, shoot percentage for any Kings player at 50. So technically, if we're just going to base on the first two games, always pass the puck to Matt Green. Get the puck to Matt Green. Forget <laughs> Jeff Carter. Just get it to Green. Which I, I kept laughing at this because real of all people to start off the scoring of this game, it's Matt Green, who at his peak scored four goals back in the 2012 or 2011-2012 season. Um, so we were joking around being like, okay, so is this like the first of many for Matt Green? Is he a changed man? Or is this the beginning of like a 20 game drought? And he will never score a goal again until, I don't know, May. Um, I hope he scores plenty of goals. I mean, he already has more than Robin Regeer. So that's pretty good. I, I don't even know what I'm going to do if, when, if, I have no idea, Robin Regeer scores a goal. Like, I don't know. How I'm going to handle myself. Die of shock, probably. 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 <laughs> that it's not for the other team. He actually has an assist so far. He actually has one point, but then I guess he sort of made up for that mistake and actually doing something helpful for King scoring by creating a situation where Winnipeg scored um, in the Friday game. So then everything was back to normal in terms of Robin Regeer's output. After Justin Williams' goal to make it 4-3, he got a really terrible tripping penalty. And his like the camera went in on his face, and it was one of those, like, he was like, I know I just pooped in the living room. You know, like, that, <laughs> that look that the dog gives you. It's like, I know, I'm sorry. And just, like, slowly skates to the penalty box. I think the worst thing about it, too, for Regeer was that it, the Kings had started to come on strong again and maybe they were going to tie it up. And then it was like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> Once again, the, the momentum shifted like in Winnipeg's favor and not the Kings. Right, exactly. And that was the that was a really unfortunate part. Quick had been pulled in the third period, pr- pretty early in the third period, actually. He had let in four goals on 27 shots, which actually isn't terrible. And so uh, Daryl Sutter was asked after the game why he was pulled. And he had this whole quote. Here, could you talk about um, yeah, I mean, three reasons you pull goalies from a coaching standpoint are number one, momentum, number two, goalies performance, or number three, team performance. So I think at that stage, I would say momentum. I mean, the Kings were down uh, and they had just 
had or they just gotten those two goals scored to them within like the first five or six minutes and then quick was pulled um so they brought in Ben Scrivens and hopefully to sort of get I guess some more jump in the Kings game and it seemed to work uh Carter scored Williams scored Williams scored on his birthday which is pretty fun also about Williams goal um it was really funny to me to watch just because uh that was a rebound shot at off of Matt Fratton's goal like near the blue line and it hit the post, but Dustin Brown was already, like, arms up celebrating. And I was like, Wait, no, 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 that did not go in yet. We are still playing this game. And luckily, Justin Williams was behind him to bury it in the net. So um, that, that, that Brownie didn't look like so much like a dope. Right, saving from embarrassment. While there is still a hockey game happening around him. <laughs> it would have been unfortunate. But, but uh, thanks, Justin Williams, for cleaning that up. Uh, the other thing I just remembered, also, on uh, that set of Gucci Gold, like, that Quick was pulled after is Jeff Carter tried to pull a Trevor Lewis and help him out in net a little bit. Didn't quite work as well. So Jeff Carter should just stick to scoring goals probably and not trying to be another backup goaltender for the Kings. I really hope that there, I mean, obviously there isn't, but I kind of want there to be an, an informal uh, third goalie tryout for all the forwards on the Los Angeles Kings. Just like, you know, when they're all on the ice, the the net's kind of open. They're like, okay, Jeff Carter already tried. He failed. Um, and so just, like, get someone else to sit in front of the net and see how everyone is. Especially if they're going to have these games where they sort of break down offensively and defensively and not really give Quick a whole lot of support, then they should have a backup plan of, like, at least everybody can also be goalie when they need to. Everyone just sits in the net. Help Jonathan Quick out in some way. Um, especially since Evander Kane was on point yesterday. Oh, he was everywhere. And I'm like frustrated because I actually really like Evander Kane and want him to do well, especially because he's gotten so much flack in the media for being himself for things that are really kind of ridiculous. So I want him to do well and basically, you know, shut everybody up and have them talk about how well he plays hockey. But if he could do it against teams that aren't my favorite hockey team, that would be better. Yeah, it was it was really like the cognitive dissonance for me because Evander Kane's on one of my fantasy leagues, um, which is like horrible. I was like, yes, you got an assist, you terrible person. I hate <laughs> you. And it was just very, it was very bizarre. So Evander Kane, do good things against other teams. Right, be right. terrible. Uh, well, congratulations to your fantasy team, at least. Thank you. Everyone did poorly. Oh, one other thing I want to mention is at, coming out of preseason, Daryl Sutter said that Dwight King was the best left wing at camp. Um, he, f- for the record, he was like one of the few true left wings at camp who wasn't like Tanner Pearson, who went back to the AHL and like Daniel Carcillo, who continues to be Daniel Carcillo um, and healthy scratched for the first two games. So let's just note that. So he was the best left wing coming out of camp. And that experiment on the top line with Kopitar and Williams lasted until near the end of the second period of the wild game and then Dustin Brown was back and then he started with Kopi and um, Williams in Winnipeg so clearly Dwight King not that great I'm, well well no definitely <laughs> not um, I mean I can see why they they did it because Brownie still does not look strong at all no um, but I I don't know I feel like I'd rather have um, a not necessarily at his best brown than Dwight King at the top. Pretty funny. The Dwight King experiment, not uh, quite as lengthy as I thought it might be at first. I mean, you said, uh, you you were just reading the quote about Daryl Sutter saying that Dwight King was the best, and I immediately laughed. Like, I I knew that it was coming. I knew what you were going to say, but I still just laughed because it's comical to me. I don't know. Well, Daryl Sutter (laughs) believes in him. He loves Dwight King. 
I know he does. Dwight Dwight King is great. All right, Dwight King is fine. I just it's just funny. <laughs> He's not a top liner. Top, top line left wing Dwight King. <laughs> not something I want to continue hearing for the rest of the season. Um okay, so since since the Kings have only played two games, that's really all we have in terms of uh, catch up there. The next game is the home opener at Staples Center, um, and it's against the Rangers. You would think I would be like pretty excited and confident about this because of how well the Kings did against the Rangers in the preseason in Frozen Fury, and then also just the fact that the Rangers continue to suck. But I don't know. I'm nervous as always. I still have like you know memories of last season's home opener against the Blackhawks, and you never know when a team is going to bounce back. But I want it to be really good. Yeah, I want them to demolish the Rangers. That would be great. We can just just like replay that Frozen Fury game. Andre Kopitar, 15 seconds in. Yeah. And six to one. Right. If we could just carbon copy that situation. I mean, the Rangers should be used to it since they've played a single game so far, and they lost to the Coyotes, um, four one. So. Um, all right, so I guess you have anything else you need to say about the Kings? Um, I'm glad that Jeff Carter scored two goals in two games, and if he could just score 82 goals in 82 games, that'd be cool. Oh, yeah, Jeff Carter, a uh, goal-per-game player right now. That's pretty exciting for me. Um, yeah, first star of my heart, always. I mean, he decided to take out his teeth, apparently, before the oh first my gosh. game of the season. Oh, this is killing me. It is killing me. The beginning of the Winnipeg game, they showed all of the players walking in, and he is just grinning and toothless. And I'm still like, I really like you still, personally and professionally. Maybe he figured, you know, after the end of last season in the playoffs, like, dudes just hate him because he's beautiful and want to knock out his teeth. So he was like, I'm just not even going to mess around with this. And that strategy is apparently working. I don't, I mean, he scored twice. And if he could just, you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I wonder how funny, I mean, obviously you can't really tell with the the bath garden but it'd just be funny if you were uh, up against him in uh in why can't i think of this name oh during the the face-off and you just look up and jeff carter grins at you toothless yeah you're like wait you're supposed to be attractive yeah. and yeah. this is happening but also i would just like to point out that as you said this person whoever they are is up against jeff carter which seems like a pretty good place to be so i would sign up for that position <laughs> even even with toothless jeff that carter. sounded gross but I, <laughs> I don't mean it to be as creepy <laughs> big hit and down i'm not sure he's okay uh, there's no question that this one's a penalty a large five minute major penalty power play for the kings Probably the most surprising non-Kings thing to happen during the first week of games is Marc-Andre Fleury being the only goalie to get a shutout, to start his season with a shutout. My favorite thing, of course, is the fact that there were, like, the reports that Fleury was going to have to see, like, a therapist or something for to deal with his emotions. He's having confidence issues. And I think a shutout to start your season probably proves that you're doing okay. He's going to have a good meeting this week. Especially with that behind-the-back save. Oh, that was crazy. I was just like, what is going on? That is magical. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we are only one week into the season. There's no need to get ahead of ourselves. But, I mean, maybe this is a different Marc-Andre Fleury. Who knows? On a terrifying note, in the Montreal opener, George Peros, he got into a fight and then lost his footing fell on the ice and I think he lost consciousness or something for like a minute. Oh, he for sure lost consciousness. I was watching this game and um, his hands just got all tied up fighting with Colton Orr and he just went face first into the ice and he was unconscious for a while 
And he kept trying to get up, but you could see, like, you could see it in his eyes. He was not there at all. And, like, the, the... the medical team had to call some players over being like, can you help us get this giant beast of a man down back on the ice? Because yeah. he keeps trying to get up and he should not be doing this. Don't move. Yeah. And, um, when they should, like when they should the, the replay, it was brutal. I like winced and gasped because it was, ugh, it was gross. It was terrible. Um, I was happy to see though, that even later that night, he sent out a tweet just sort of thanking everybody for like the well wishes and the support. He's out with a concussion now, but he seems Overall, you know, fine. It could have been a lot worse, but it definitely scary to see happen. From that, because it was just so viscerally upsetting, um, a lot of people ended up writing a lot of, well, and because of what happened in the preseason, um, a lot of people wrote about, like, should fighting still be allowed in the NHL? And I think it's kind of funny that it would come after this, I, I mean, incident, because it wasn't really, I, I guess, yeah, it was the fight. Like, he was fighting, and that's why he you know, fell to the ice, but it's not like a punch got him and, like, that's why he got a concussion. That was kind of just, like, a a weird turn of events that he ended up going face versus the ice. Yeah. Like, I feel like that that shouldn't be the reason. Like, you shouldn't point to this as to, like, oh, obviously, fighting should be banned. Right. I think, um, actually, what probably would have made more sense to sort of spark that discussion again would have been the the kid uh, Corey Trapp who had his jaw broken um from a fight but I think because a that fight ended up that brawl became so big and also that part of it wasn't as visual like everybody saw this Paros thing because all the cameras were on um and the whole like for people who were there the game had stopped to watch these people fight that it was a lot more noticeable but yeah it is kind of weird that that is the thing that sparked the conversation about whether or not fighting needed to go somewhere now but I'm glad he's okay. Glad the mustache is cool. Although, speaking of, since I mentioned that brawl in Toronto, Phil Kessel has been signed for eight years, $8 million per, which is a lot of money. He's a good player, actually, and it's it's one of those things where I think because of how he looks. I mean, he just looks like a schlubby guy who can't play hockey, but I forget sometimes that he actually is a pretty decent hockey player. That That is exactly my thing. I, like, I know in my heart of hearts, in my mind of minds, that Phil Kessel is a good player. But it's Phil Kessel, you know, like, I can't help but laugh every time I think about him. And he's even had, like, a good start this season for the team. So uh, congratulations. Congratulations <laughs> to that um, tuber. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I saw this thing on CBS Sports basically talking about how Seth Jones is currently favored to win the Calder. And it really was great for me because I want Seth Jones to win everything including the Calder. I want him to win the Norris uh, in a major upset. I want Colorado and Florida and Tampa Bay to all stew just like at the bottom of the barrel, Um, which is unfortunate because Colorado has done really well in their first two games, but whatever. Yeah, that um, the Colorado Anaheim game was upsetting to watch. Like I was like, you know what? Good. I'm glad the Ducks got that goal at the the end of the third period because it would have been sad isn't that weird like i don't even care about the ducks i don't actually hate them i like trolling their fans because it's funny but i have some respect for their team and it was actually pretty heartbreaking to see them being beaten so badly it was it was kind of funny because um i watched it at a bar during during a pub quiz actually so like i would be distracted and i would be answering questions and then i would look up and all of a sudden it was like two zero Oh, now it's four zero. Oh, now it's five zero. I was like, "What is going on?" I was like, "Am I drunker than I I really am?" <laughs> um, because I had no idea what was happening, so that was upsetting. It was terrible. And then, but then, strangely, at the very end, I guess um, 
some player on the Ducks tried to take a shot at Nathan McKinnon, and the team took offense to that. You can't uh, take a shot at their first overall pick, Golden Boy. No way. But the person who took the most uh, offense at this was Patrick Waugh. Um, who basically went on the tirade that everybody had been expecting to see from him, and they didn't even have to wait one game. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, but I was so delighted by it. Uh, he got a $10,000 fine for assaulting the glass <laughs> between him and Bruce Boudreau. Actually, the person, like, watching that clip a few times, the person I really feel bad for is, like, the cameraman right up against the glass. <laughs> Not only is he wielding, like, an expensive piece of machinery and still trying to, you know... Um, he's also fighting for his life because you know what Patrick Waugh's going to do. Yeah. And I thought for sure that that glass was just going to tip over and just like crush. I think the only thing though that was like weird to me is that people afterwards, um, some Avalanche fans or whatever, were basically like trying to talk about how, oh, Patrick Waugh is such a hero for standing up for his team. And it's like, it was entertaining because it's fun to watch Bruce Woodrow get yelled at by this crazy person. But calm down. Patrick Waugh's not a hero. He was a big child. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like when it gets to the glass pushing point like I always think it's funny I forget who it was but it was probably John Tortorella and someone else standing on the walls of each of their benches and just like hollering at each other like that's great you know continue to do that shit talk each other to your heart's content but when you start just like aggressively pushing at glass and I don't know I think that gets a step too far I think the the other two coaches were yelling at each other I think it was um Bilesma and Philly why can I think of his name Laviolette oh yeah that's right but but yeah, exactly. It's it looks ridiculous. It's really entertaining, I think, to see. But but every nobody nobody comes out looking like a great dude. Everyone else is just you're always just like, okay, that was funny, but calm down. Um, and the last sort of headline, which I think is probably the biggest headline in terms of what the fuck factor, is uh, Ilya Brzgalov has landed somewhere. He will be having a tryout with the Las Vegas Las Vegas Wranglers, an ECHL team. Um, so they didn't even straight up sign him. Like, he has to try out. In Las Vegas. Yeah. In thriving uh, hockey metropolis, <laughs> Las Vegas. We are 100% gonna go, right? Oh, we have to go see Brzgalov play in this Las Vegas team. Sit around by a pool and then go watch Brzgalov play in an EC- ECHL team. I have so many questions. So you have Brzgalov, who is this NHL caliber caliber player and the reports were that there was at least one NHL team interested in him though not really wanting to make a commitment without seeing him play um which is weird I mean you've seen him play but so he gets a tryout you don't even sign him even though this is now like the most press this Las Vegas team has probably had ever you still make this dude who is still getting paid like 1.7 million dollars from the Flyers we'll see you have to perform for us first. <laughs> but I mean, that's not a bad place for Brzgalov with however many millions he's making a year to, to hang out in Las Vegas. Yeah. You, you, you could spend, uh, you could have fun with that money in Vegas. So, I mean, I guess Brzgalov's laughing at all of us. Yeah, for sure. He's having the time of his life. He's going to have so many easy games and get paid big. All right. All right. So that's all we got for this week. Kings are playing a lot more this coming week and for the rest of the season, so we'll probably have a lot more for you next Saturday, Sunday. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Bye, guys.